This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't we need to do oh. the... See? No, keep it just like that. <laughs> You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech. Betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be that day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, The money line matadors. The casino cowboys. The parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. Where? The Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Can I start now? Yeah, let's go. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. It's back. It's back, baby. I, you know, I love our open. It's great. Really appreciate the guy who uh, cut the voice. Mm-hmm. I forget about it every week. <laughs> it's right here on the new board. Yeah, we'll figure it out. What's um. What's an early college football season memory you have, like, as in, like, early in the season memory? Does it have to be Texas Tech related? No, it can be anything. Um, I remember one time there was, like, a really hyped up matchup. This was probably six years ago. Texas and Notre Dame. I mean, all the pundits thought both teams are going to be good just because of the brand names and at the time it was a great game. I think it went to overtime. It was a great game. And uh, Texas won. And then I think later that year, I think Notre Dame finished four and eight, and Texas lost to Kansas. Was that when uh, Tessator got real excited? Yeah, it was. We're recording in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. Uh, Speaking of Cardinals, we've got a tailgate there this weekend. Next weekend, sorry. Uh, Well, I can't even say that. September 3rd, because you could be listening to this uh, in six months and... You're not. You're just going to show up, and there's not going to be a tailgate. We might be at Cardinals in six months. Well, we probably will be. We, I'm there all the time. Yeah. Uh, you got your hat there that you're wearing, the white Gauchos hat. Go Gauchos. Uh, the black Gauchos hat also looks good. Anyways, uh, we'll be out there at Cardinals Sports Center on 69th-ish and slide in between the green logo bank and the chicken sandwich joint. No free ads. No free ads. Uh, but we will give all the ads to Cardinal Sports Center, and it seems like we're going to have a really good time. Lots of people already buying in. I think we'll have some yard games. Um, it'll smell good. Kyle, why will it smell good? We've got the best barbecue joint in the world, Rahino Barbecue, coming out. As you all know, they've got their mobile food truck that goes all over West Texas. They're fortunate enough to share that with us for the tailgate on Saturday, September 3rd. So they'll be serving up in the parking lot at Cardinals. 
hopefully they'll have it all. I think they ran into some supply chain issues. I was trying to get some turkey there once, and they just uh, didn't have it. I did see the turkey was back. Good. I don't know if the turkey will be in Lubbock, but it it was back for a minute. Who knows these days? But if they don't have it, they still have ribs, brisket, hopefully brisket burgers, Texas Phillies, the loaded Texas baked Twinkies. potatoes. Yes. All good. Yeah. All good. So they'll be out there. Kona Ice will have snow cones for kiddos, so there's a, it's a family affair. Or if you're an adult, it likes snow cones. That's my least favorite word in the English language, kiddos. Kiddos? What do you have against the Ninos? No, no, I love, I love. Uh, well, never mind. One time, <laughs> one time, Kyle, one time I was giving a speech at Lubbock Christian University, and we'll get back into the ad read. Lubbock Christian University Chapel, all right? All the students have to go to chapel. Uh, thousands of people in this auditorium. I'm talking about being a summer camp counselor to junior high kids. And I was like, I closed by saying, you know, it's just really cool because you get to touch the kids and they get to touch you too and walked off the stage. I was like, oh, that. I had their fo- hearts. They're, you get to touch their hearts. Right. I had yeah. a former boss who kind of talked like that. Yeah. And of course, he meant make an impact when he right. said touch. He's like, you know, we get yeah. to touch a lot of people. And I was like, you get to reach out and touch them. Yeah. You know, in today's. HR workplace environment. Right. You don't really phrase it that way. I mean, even back in 2011 or 12, that was probably yeah. even close. But anyway, the kiddos will be out there enjoying snow cones from Kona Ice, Rahino Barbecue. Still working on the alcohol situation. We don't know if that's going to be BYOB, if we'll have somebody serving, but stay tuned here and on Twitter, and we'll make sure you know before you show up. But either way, it's a lunchtime affair, and then we'll get you out of there in time to get to the stadium for. The pregame tailgate. Uh, tailgate twice. Right. Yeah, tailgate all day. Why not? It's week one. You can't drink all day without drinking early. That's right. And if you drink too much, not well, at our well, tailgate, no, but just yeah. in life in general. Right. And uh, maybe, I don't know, cause a catastrophic injury to yourself. Allegedly. Or someone else. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, I wouldn't want to make this call, but if I had to. There is somebody in your corner, Barnett Howard and Williams, not only a great sponsor of the Gambling Gauchos, also sponsoring the Week Zero or Week One tailgate for the Murray State game. We appreciate their support. As y'all know, Barnett Howard and Williams is a law firm started by three Texas Tech grads, double grads. That's six Texas Tech degrees. That's a lot. That's more than I have. By over under four and a half. <laughs> uh, office in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across Texas, and of course, still have roots in Lubbock. They'll be out there at the tailgate on Saturday. If you're a former Texas Tech football player looking for maybe an internship or something, yeah, uh, and you're in law school, future BHW employee, yeah, it's worth coming out to see what they might have going on. Might be at the uh, tailgate. They are one of the only law firms in Texas certified for Title IX student representation. They have defended students, including scholarship athletes, in Title IX litigation at all of the major universities in Texas. So that would also include like University of North Texas, UTEP who are playing this week, one-and-a-half-point spread on that game. We'll get into it. They hope you never need them, like you said, Rob. But if you do, you've got somebody in your corner who will get the job done. You can learn more about Barnett, Howard & Williams by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. Appreciate the support of the Gauchos and appreciate their sponsorship of the Week 1 tailgate. All right, so let's get right into college football. Um we have not discussed how we're going to do our pick segment this year. Not talked about it at all, really. 
Uh, you just informed me right before we started recording that we're going to pick every week zero game, which I think is well, nuts. We're going to run through it. You don't have to take any action on them if oh, you don't okay. want to. But okay. There's not that many, so we have time to go through them all. So we'll take action on every Big 12 game this season. Yes. Yes. Um, and that'll be something we do. So early in the season, we'll have, you know, 10, 10 picks-ish a week. Uh, there's actually some early Big 12 action, like Big 12 on Big 12 games. So really in week two, there might just be nine games. Anyways, all that being said, late in the season, we'll just have five. So we might put action on like eight games and just have some good plays outside the Big 12 that we put on. Because I don't want to just do Big 12. Yeah, we can also do like top 25 matchups. Well, I also don't want to... because. When you're picking just games that people give you, you can't hunt right. lines. Mm-hmm. And if we're like, all right, we're going to do all the ranked games and it's Penn State, Michigan State, and I've not watched much of either team all year, and the line is cooked, I'm not making value judgments on that. Sure. So I think we'll uh, maybe Kyle will give three of his own picks a week, and I'll give three of my own picks a week, and then we'll do all the Big 12 games and figure it out this week. Just because it's week zero. Also, what is week zero? Just call it week it, one. It's an appetizer. I just call it week one. No, because it's not week one. It is week one. No, it's not. It's week zero. Is there college football? Yes. Is it a week? Is it it's, the first week? It, it's week zero. It doesn't count in this scenario. If it were a full week, it would be like a, a full slate of games, and it's not. I think do any do any of the teams that play this week play next week? Let me ask you this: Do any of the teams that play this week play next week? I honestly don't know. I'd have to look. UTEP maybe, maybe. Or do they get a buy before Oklahoma? Let me ask you this, Rob: It's you, just week one extended. You go to a Mexican. This food, is week one. That's week one. You go to a Mexican food restaurant. Yeah. And they give you chips and salsa. That's food, right? Yes. It's not a meal, though, is it? Uh, to some people, yes. No, it's chips and salsa. It's not the meal. And then you order the meal. This is week zero. And then next week, the second week of college football is week one. Uh, questions are rolling in on the Discord. Good. We'll get to those later. One more thing, too. We also might just tab picks and kind of like build out some parlays throughout the season. That yes. we don't, we're not going to go over every single one on the show. But if you want to follow along with us, there's a free app. It's called the Action app. And this is not an ad read, by the way. This is We actually use this. Yeah. Um, it's it's free to I, download. Honestly, I would uh, I would recommend it, but I wouldn't do ads for. <laughs> yeah, um, th- it's there, useful for what it is, though. Yeah, there is a paid version, but you can download the free app. Yeah, just use the free version. And don't, if, if, they'll ask you to pay. Don't pay. If you're not a gambler, this is the perfect app because you can still kind of track your performance and make picks for fun, which is mostly what we do, and kind of see you know can I beat the spread this week or. You know, pick some underdogs, build out some parlays, and see what they would pay out. So it's a fun app, and so you can follow our picks there. You can make your own. My username is Kyle Jacobson. Rob's is Captain Rob. So follow along with with us there, and there'll be more content there than there is on the podcast. And I will say, if you want to sports gamble, but let's say you're in Texas and you don't know if you'd be good or you're scared, just download the Action app and do it for a month, or do it for a football season. And if you end up plus, 
um, then you can look at it and say, well, you know, maybe maybe this would be maybe not beneficial. You're not trying to go like make money gambling, but it's not going to put you in the poorhouse if you learn how to do it responsibly and at least get some idea of what you're doing before you actually start putting money somewhere. Yeah, it's a good way to learn. There are some consensus lines, so you can kind of see how the line is moved. Um, and there's also consumer content. So you can read articles. Like they yeah. might have an article, you know, trends that we noticed week one in the NFL, and you can kind of say, okay, the home teams went 12-4 and four or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and there's some trends inside the picks as well yeah. that you can look at. So it's a cool app to just comb through, especially if you're kind of a beginner. I will also say people are in our DMs all the time, at least once a week. Hey, what app do you guys bet on? Where do you guys bet? Do you have a bookie? No. No, we don't. Uh, our official stance is all the picks we make are just for entertainment purposes. We are gambling gauchos. We do place wagers. Uh, they're always legal. And if you want to find your own legal way to place a bet, we encourage you to. Uh, but we are not going to give you recommendations on a book. Yeah, it puts us in a tough spot. Yeah. Especially if you are using an offshore book. A lot of them don't have the greatest reputation. We have been approached yeah. by books, offshore books, and we do not feel comfortable telling yeah. anyone and to go to use an offshore book, even though they a lot of people do. And to be totally transparent, I mean, we kind of turned down what seemed like a significant yeah. amount of money, but yes, we did our homework. We're like, eh, I don't know if we can in good conscience recommend this to our listeners. I tried to sign up for that website and frauded out my card and had to get a new debit card. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I want to tell anyone to use this. My, my recommendation is if you live in a state where it's legal, do whatever you want. Yeah. If you're a Texas resident, do all the offshore stuff at your own risk. I'm not endorsing that, but Hey, you can take a trip to Vegas, New Mexico, and do it there and have fun with it. If if you really want to wager, I would, I would get a, a popular, hypothetically, a popular app like, um, oh, I don't know, FanDuel. And then drive to the New Mexico border. <laughs> Allegedly. Just hypothetically. Allegedly. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. And if you get in trouble doing all this, just call Barnett, Howard, and Williams. And you know, I'm sure they love that plug. <laughs> Barnett, Howard, and Williams will cure your gambling addiction. Yeah. No, there's a 1-800 number for that. Yeah. And and in all seriousness, if you do gamble, do it responsibly. Track your bets. Don't don't be an idiot about it. Like It's yeah. supposed to be for fun. It's entertainment. I wouldn't recommend gambling any more than you would spend out on a night at dinner in the movies. Beyond that, I mean, it's just it's kind of risky. So. And that was our uh, one-time PSA on gambling. We will never talk about that again. We well, have our basis, back to the fun. We have our bases covered now. Yeah, back to the fun. Okay, Austin P in Western Kentucky. Oh my gosh! First, can you tell me why this game is relevant to Texas Tech? Uh, their quarter Western Kentucky's quarterbacks coach. Yes, who is that? Deggy. Oh no, no, uh, Cole Garrett. Right. Sorry. And our offensive coordinator got it mixed up. Oh yes, Zach Hitley. Was there last coach, year? Handy. And Kirk Bryant came from Austin P. And Kirk Bryant and another gentleman on the staff that I don't remember. Cochran? Or Oh, uh, it actually might have been Cochran. Was that P for a while? I think so. I think they came together. Yeah, maybe so. Anyway, is there a line on that one even? 
I I um I saw this game earlier, Kyle. I don't know why you're even uh, putting it on. I I don't think there's a line for it. No, because because it, it's the first one. Is it the very first game? Yeah, I don't think there's a line on it. There's not an action, and there's not one on ESPN. So, well, I'll take uh, Western Kentucky straight up. Well, that's you're going out on a limb there because they've got a 95 percent chance to win according to ESPN. FBI. Well, there's no line. I- yeah, no, you can make 12 cents on a money line bet and get paid out six weeks from now. The first real game, or the one, and maybe the most notable game on the slate week one, week zero, excuse me. Nebraska at Northwestern, but in Dublin, Ireland. Was that an accent? Ireland. Both teams three and nine last year. Not great. But Nebraska, as you might recall, during our Futures episode, I kind of boldly stepped out there and said they might have a good chance to win the Big Ten West. And it starts week zero. Do you remember the, what was it, Nebraska-Illinois game last year? Yes, brutal. Illinois starting quarterback got hurt on the first or second drive of the game. Yet they led the whole way, and Nebraska was favored by six or seven. And there was a, a the punt fiasco, where they were going to recover, and the guy like picks it up and throws it out of bounds. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the Scott Frost era in Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska ended zero for five last year. But they played an insane number of close, like those five losses were by like twelve points or something. Covered We're, twice. I mean, they like barely lost to Iowa. Yeah, lost to Iowa lost. by five, uh, seven touchdown. Seven, seven, nine, five, seven. So only one game was a two-possession game. Right. And that was Ohio State, and they covered in that one. And we learned this later, but Adrian Martinez, their quarterback, was playing the second half of the season with a broken jaw held together by rubber bands. So, And then there are reports out of training camper that they have a contest to see how many times they can throw up. I mean, it's a weird deal at Nebraska. The offensive line, yeah. Yeah. And Scott Frost has recruited pretty well there, but they've just never been good on the field. So I, of course... They've not been closers, yeah. Stepped out on a limb and said, this will be the well, year. you identify with being a loser. What? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I'll take Nebraska uh, and the point. I mean, I'll lame, lame the. I just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Nebraska and lay the point. I am too. They've only got a, I mean, only 79% chance to win per FPI. Usually when I'm looking at FPI, when a team has a 75% chance to win, roughly that corresponds with about a one touchdown favorite. Yeah. So that's a pretty significant um, gap there. So that's a 12 and a half point line. Yeah, I even saw it at 13, actually. But I'm... I'd buy the hook. I think I want it, though. I mean, I don't think I'm going to bet on Northwestern here. Surely Nebraska is more talented. Right, you, you get the... If they win by 13, you get it if you bet the 12 and a half. Right. right. I'm saying I might just play the line as it is oh you just you think they're going to be by 14 i think nebraska might be good this year 
And if they're going to beat up on anybody this year, it would probably be Northwestern, who's picked last in the Big Ten West. If they can't do it, then my futures bet is out the window. So I would assume an under here, huh? 49 and a half. On the road in Dublin, week zero, two bad teams. Of course, Northwestern is uh, up and down. They're like Iowa, where they're really bad, and then all of a sudden they're really good, and then they're really bad again. So with the spread, we'd be looking at... Yeah, it's dangerous to take the under and a two-possession game. 31-17 would go under, and Nebraska would cover. But that sounds about right. Yeah. It's it's snug. I don't, snug under. I don't think I want the total, but I'll take I'll take Nebraska and I'll give the thirteen. Same. I will say too. Um, I did get a little inside information via Twitter that everyone got at the same time. Uh, Nebraska went a day early. I like that. So Northwestern is worried about jet lag. That's good. You know, anytime the pack, anytime the Pac-12 moves to the Central Time Zone or whatever, they gripe about body clock, and now we're talking about multiplying that time difference times three or five or whatever. Yeah, but everyone's going the same. Hey, yeah, but if you're there a day early, you. I've got a body clock game for you. Okay. I don't think it's this week though. I think it's next week. Okay. Well, holster it till then. Easy, easy, buddy. It's only it's only week zero. Okay, we gotta we gotta right. save some for next week. This next one is just a hu- a giant game, huge ginormous. I mean, we're talking college football playoff implications in week zero. A a team we bet on nearly every week last year. UConn, Utah State. Do you remember our trials and tribulations with UConn? We just kept doubling down that they would beat somebody. Here's what I remember about UConn last year. You finally hit it. I did. So I, I remember they were significant dogs to Fresno I didn't think Fresno, you know, I didn't think they were that good. It was like 17 and a half, and I was like, surely, yeah. you know, they can manage to not get blown out by 17 or more. It was like 24 at halftime, and oh, I mean, yeah. they won that game by 40-something. But as bad as UConn was, they were actually favored in a game last season against UMass. UMass. And I thought, look, if you can get plus money against UConn, you clobber that. And UMass won straight up, and I had them on the money line. Those are That's all I recall about UConn, but yeah. They were ridiculous, like 48-point dogs in some games last season. And I think they did actually cover a few times. They won one. They were 1-11. So, yeah, they were kind of like the consensus worst team in FBS last season, and it was fun to track them every week. They beat Yale. Okay. 21-15. to 15. Husky on Bulldog crime there. They also finished with the vaunted, vaunted Houston Cougars. 45-17 in that one. We'll talk about that. Hold on. I've got a Houston rant. We'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, this line is 27 and a half. You, uh, you going to take your first UConn bet? Utah State. Hmm. I'd be tempted to, just to kind of like to lean into the bit a little bit. Yeah. You get a new coach bump. Jim Mora, right? Yeah. Hmm. Can he keep it within 27? I don't know. I feel like that's a sucker's. This is what got me last year. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, surely you can no, cover is, that Giants. Yeah, but, why in the world would you? But no, they this? can't. No. And Jim Mora is not a good coach. He's a never he, has. He's been. a big name. Yeah, but he's not a good coach. That's, well, he was at U, uh, UCLA, right? 
He had a big job, but that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. Not a good coach. He's Chip Kelly. Well, um, yeah, I think I might take Utah State and just root for the blowout. Okay, and I want to say something else. I'm not going to take that line, but I would take the over at 59 and a half. I want to say something else uh-huh. to our listeners who are like, I'm not a sports gambler. I don't. This is what part of what makes sports betting fun is a game that's not otherwise entertaining. If suddenly you're rooting for the margin of victory to be a certain amount, even if a team is winning by 27, you still have a pretty vested interest in what happens next in that game, whereas most people would have to flip the channel. But if you've got, you know, minus 27 and a half and the current margin is 27, you're glued to the TV at that point. So it makes otherwise unappealing games entertaining. Run into a frustrating problem on the action app. What's that? You can't bet a money line parlay and a line on the same team. Right. That's standard. I can't take minus 13 separate from a money line stand uh parlay. Well, yeah, you can't do that in real life cuz you're just juicing the money line. Cuz if they win, they're going to cover. No. If they're an underdog, this is all favorites. Oh, okay. Well, then you're juicing the spread because if they cover, they're going to win. Yeah, but it's a separate bet. I might as well walk down to the. Oh, second I thought you said you were trying to. Book. I thought you said you were trying to pair them in a parlay. No, 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 no. Oh, no. If you if you do a parlay that involves Nebraska, you also can't outside of the parlay bet on the minus thirteen. Oh, that is weird. In the action app, so we'll have to figure out a circumvent for that. That must be new this year. Right. Well, it also might just be because it's uh, quote unquote verified. So I might make oh, some unverified why. picks. I'm I'm making all mine on unverified right now, like for week zero. Maybe during Big Twelve I'll get into verified. But yeah, yeah they put stipulations on verified bets that aren't there for unverified. So I I just uncheck that every time and gives you a little more freedom. There you go. That worked. Yeah. Give me uh, Utah State minus twenty seven and a half. I'll take the over at 59 and a half. Semi-compelling game. Wyoming at Burt Bielema's Illinois. Similar. What? Is it? What? Is it compelling? Well, I mean, the line is a little more respectable than 27 and a half. Okay. All right. Um, FPI gives Illinois a 75% chance to win. Like I said, that typically translates to being about a touchdown favorite. However... They're currently favored by 12. That's an offense that's not built to really run and gun and outscore you by a whole lot. The line has moved in Wyoming's favorite, opened at 10.5. Now it's 12. Give me the Cowboys plus 12. Ooh. Now, I thought Illinois was better than they played last year, and they had the quarterback injury um, kind of up and down. Production. Um, it looks like a lot of people have bet your way because it's just gone back to plus 11. It's in Illinois. I would snag this minus 11. I don't really like either one, though. Fair enough. 
Florida State versus Duquesne. I don't see a line for that. I don't. I don't either. But Duquesne won straight up, right? In uh, at Duquesne a couple years ago. Against who? Against Florida State. No. Or did they beat Duke? And it wasn't Duquesne. I don't know. Was it James Madison? James Madison beat Duke. They beat Virginia Tech a long time. Jacksonville ago. State beat Florida State. Yep. Did you see that story today? And Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech, like within the last Old Dominion four years. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Hey, uh, put Jacksonville State in your brain too. We'll talk about that afterwards. <clears throat> so you have a Houston rant and a Jacksonville State topic. FAMU versus North Carolina again. Don't see a line. I I'm rooting for the Tar Heels this season though. So this might be the most compelling game. This is the you you were on them hard last year. Yeah, and I was wrong. They just recruited consistently well. They've stacked like four or five recruiting classes together since Mac Brown got there. Uh, you don't have a, a pick on Charlotte, Florida Atlantic. I do. I hadn't gotten to that one yet on my list. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh no, you're right. I skipped over it. Hey, I'm a believer in Will Healy. I'm getting seven for Charlotte. I'm probably splashing one unit Charlotte plus seven and one unit on the money line. I'm not going to trail the money line, but I like the plus seven. Plus 240? You don't want a little bit of that? Not this early, no. Will Haley beat Duke last year? I don't have 17 units to splash in the first weekend. <laughs> you, you do in the action app. <laughs> I guess it's I not do the first the weekend. App. It's week zero. Oh, it's, yeah. It's like free money. But it's still the first weekend, even yeah. though it's week well, zero. It's week zero, so it doesn't count. Okay, the narrowest line of week zero, an in-state game at the Sun Bowl, which I think I read is sold out. For this game, North Texas, coached by Seth Luttrell, they're one-and-a-half-point favorites in El Paso against the Miners. What do you think about that one? Hammering UTEP in this game. Fading North Texas. Uh, Seth Luttrell made the worst. I'm going to stay here if you don't give me this uh, play in the history of coaching decisions. He should have gone to Kansas State when he had the chance. He's going to rich rod himself uh, and not be able to move up at all. You know what hurts Seth Luttrell at North Texas more than anything? Losing Graham Harrell. That and I think Sonny Dykes at SMU. Because I think Seth Luttrell proved that UNT can be a job where, look, you have all the recruiting right in your backyard. Any guy who's a fringe Power 5 guy but maybe doesn't quite get those offers, you could snatch up and say, hey, you, your parents can come watch you play every single game. But as soon as Sonny Dykes got to SMU, I feel like they became that program in the Metroplex. So I think that hurt him too over the last three or four years, however long that was. I'm torn on this. North Texas, 60% chance to win according to FPI. And I don't know. I think I'm going to trail you though. I don't feel great about it. But I'm going to go UTEP, especially if the Sun Bowl is rocking. It's easier for me to root. When's the last time they had a sellout? Uh, I don't know. It had to be a while, be a while back. Maybe when Tech played there one of those years. Maybe. That's usually probably the, one of the biggest games on their schedule. I think Texas played there maybe once, twice over the years. I, I think I remember watching that growing up. But, yeah, it's easier for me to root for UTEP, I think. I like El Paso. Big love for El Paso. West Texas. So I think I'm going to trail you on that, even though the numbers tell me not to. But I 
I'll probably go money line with UTEP. Yeah, and you might as well at that point. Right. Of course, a one-point loss would be utterly devastating. Yes. <laughs> Week zero if you go money line on a one. Yeah. One and a half. Maybe you go one unit on both. Yeah, little hedge. Are you a Nevada or a Nevada kind of guy? Nevada. Nevada. I don't know. I hardly say it. Nevada is a nine-point favorite at New Mexico State in Las Cruces. Oh, I missed this one. Yeah, decent. I thought Hawaii was next. Yeah, no, you got one more in the in the mountain time zone before we get that far west. Oh, I must have had this in my uh, parlay. Yep, there it is. I did put Nevada money line in my four leg all chalk can't miss money line parlay. Love that, and I would double down uh, minus nine. I like that. Action shows this one opened at. 12 and a half for Nevada, all the way down to nine. Yeah. Oh, wow. This People are hammering New Mexico State. That makes me want to pick Nevada even more. I think I'll take Nevada minus the points. 55% of the bet percentage uh, has gone to New Mexico State. Nevada lost their coach to Colorado State. Norvell. Right. Jay Norvell. But they were 8 and 5 last year. New Mexico State was 2 and 10. And I know it's in Las Cruces, but... That's a touchdown and a field goal. I think that's manageable. They, they won their last one. <laughs> the only one that matters, right? So, yeah, give me Nevada minus nine. That's that's another one that there's at least semi-intrigue in. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Last one. Most interesting, I think, from a betting perspective. Yes, Vanderbilt at Hawaii. We're talking body clock again. Vanderbilt favored by seven. Or excuse me, that's gone up to eight and a half. It well, you can buy a seven and a half at some books. Um, but you can get eight and a half on Hawaii pretty easily. I want Hawaii plus the points and Hawaii money line. Hawaii's actually favored according to FPI despite being eight and a half point dogs. Same, and I'll take the over at a low 53.5, in my opinion. Not only is Hawaii favored per FPI, 72% chance to win that game straight up, and they're eight and a half point dogs. They should be favored by about six, according to FPI. And just this is just anecdotal, but Hawaii is early season god, right? They, they, beat, college football. they beat Arizona straight up on a very similar line, they were about seven point dogs. Well, that was in. It was in a year when... It was in 2019? It was in a year when Arizona beat Texas Tech, so... Well, I thought it was 2020, but then I was like, well, nobody went there in 2020. So it was no, 2019, it was 19, wasn't it? Yeah. Arizona also kind of... Man, kinda, that sucks. It was an interesting game because they're... Arizona's defensive backs before the yeah. game... Yeah. You, you know the story? I'm remembering the game. They decided to hit up Hawaii quarterback's girlfriend on Instagram yeah. and comment on all of her pictures. Cole McDonald. Yes. And he torched them. He did not like that. And he showed it. But then on the last play, Arizona had the ball at about the 50. They were going to do a Hail Mary. Nobody was open. Cleo Tate runs it like inside the five. Yes. Like almost scored yeah. on a 50-yard run on the last play of the game and came up just short. And then the whole time you're like, why are they not running Khalil Tate more? 
Right. And, and then, then he and then he did that. And then Kevin Sumlin won three total games during his tenure there. Right. And they and he got fired. And now he's at the Houston Gamblers. Speaking of coaches that were at the pinnacle of the sport and now very low on the totem pole, have you heard what Rich Rodriguez is up to? Yeah, accusing Florida's finest Colby Carthel of spying on his practices. Yeah, that is a Friona legend. That is a deep cut for our listeners yeah. from last season. <laughs> Friona legend Colby Carthel. Um, good grief! Good, good grief! First of all, if I was a Power Five coach, I'm not. If I was Joey McGuire, I would be sending Texas Tech minions to every spring game in the Big Twelve. Why would you not just go check out the other teams? Right, they're free. The games are free. Just go sit on the top row. You're not filming. Right. But you take a clipboard. You write some stuff down. You say, that guy looks like he could do something, maybe. It's not extensive notes, but why not go watch? But what I would not do is send a man in a trench coat to a practice to film between the fence four weeks away from a game in the preseason. Now... This is what Jacksonville State head coach Rich Rodriguez is blaming some random filmer on, alleged filmer, he could not not even exist, on Kobe Carthel. Now, I've not seen Kobe Carthel respond. I would love to. I would love to be in the meeting room when they're talking about this because Kobe Carthel probably pretty colorful. And he has the Twitter chops to, oh, yeah. to make noise on this if he wants to. Oh, yeah. I had to watch that clip of Rich Rod making these allegations twice. Do you know why? Uh, why? The first time, the entire time it was going out, I was just staring at my computer and I was like, Rich Rod is the coach at Jacksonville State? I, I guess That's I'm, exactly what I did today. I guess I missed it. And I was like, okay, i got to rewind and actually hear what he's saying here. And But I was like, wow. I, if you gave me 100 guesses at what Rich Rod is up to nowadays, I would not have gotten that correct. Well, and I thought he was a, an analyst somewhere. But I guess, and, and I don't know if this, this could be his second season. I have no idea. Yeah, who knows? But, hey, some people coach football. Others coach kids ages 5 to 14 how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills. And that's our friends over at Code Ninjas. And they do this in a fun, hands-on environment through their year-round coding programs. Summer camps were a great success. You want to keep it going with the kiddos? Your favorite word. During the school year, Code Ninjas offers flexible afternoon and weekend hours. Kids visit their center each week to learn coding, logic, and problem-solving skills while creating video games and meeting new friends. They start out as a white belt and work their way through nine different belt levels, all the way to black belt, where they will design and create their very own app or game. Coding will be one of the most valuable skills for today's kids to thrive in the future. So schedule a tour and a free first session at CodeNinjas.com. Sorry. What? What do you want to get into next? Some realignment? Or Houston. It, let me just go on the rant for okay. Houston. All offseason, every pundit has talked about the Texas Tech versus Houston game like it would be a huge challenge for Texas Tech, an upset if they win. Houston is ranked. Okay, they're ranked 24th preseason. They have to get past UTSA if they want to reach the Jones ranked. And Tech is currently favored most places by about five. It's not going to be an upset when Tech wins that game. And I'm bullish on Tech more so than the books more so than the pundits. So I was kind of chirping on Twitter. I was like, we're going to win that game by 24. And something to keep an eye on, our boy Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Oh, he's our boy now. 
He's our boy. We're going to have a friendly wager. He wanted the 24, and I was kind of like, well, you have to give me some incentive because I can get it for five. Um, so I need a little extra juice. You did set the line. Oh. Well, I would. it's kind of like our bold predictions. Like, I wouldn't right. take those at even odds. I do think we'll win by 24, but I'm not foolish enough to take that at even money if I could do it at five for even money. Yeah. But anyway, he's going to be in Lubbock for the Tech-Baylor game. And so we'll have a friendly wager. Once that line is set after week zero and week one, and we'll kind of see what terms we agree to, what spread we agree to, but something to keep an eye on. But I'm just tired of the narrative that – Yeah, and, all and these they, people talking like losers. Do like, things that winners say and do things that winners do. You just got to talk like a winner if you're Texas Tech in this situation, right? I, and they're like, hey, Clayton Toon is back. So what? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to dog the guy, but like... We, you are, though. We played against him last year. Yeah. He's not good. And they, they went 10-0 and against East Carolina and Navy. Who yeah. cares? Tulane. They lost to Cincinnati, the only other decent team they played. And then they played a 6-7 and seven Auburn team and won like 13-10. to 10. I'm not uh, disinterested. Scared. I'm yeah. not scared of Clayton freaking Toon. No. Me neither. Or 24th ranked... Oh, ranked team. They're going to the New Year's Six. No, they're not. They suck. We're going to beat them by 24. Mark it down. That's week two. You ready? We're going to beat them by 24. Who do they play in week one? UTSA. They're only favored by a touchdown. What is uh, Texas Tech going to be favored by when Houston comes in limping 0-1? Nine and a half? Yeah. After we beat Murray State 56-3? to I I would like to wait until the line comes out, but if Houston is favored... I would be shocked. Okay, go with me here. Houston either loses to UTSA or looks ugly. Tech comes out and plays a flawless week one game against Murray State. Tech is favored by, let's call it, seven and a half. And they cover. How stupid are all these pundits going to look talking about, hey, Tech's got that tough non-con schedule. Yeah. Might start one and two. No, we're going to be favored in two out of the three. Yeah. Might start one and two, and then we're going to beat Houston by 10 plus. And, and nobody's going to bat an eye. That's not going to be counted as a quality win for Tech. But well, all summer long, it's being hyped up as this yeah. in, insanely difficult non-con schedule. It's ridiculous. Uh, we had another guy in our DMs, a, a national guy, with some juice about uh, how Houston was going to be... Fa- this is a sports gambling person, right? I was I was appalled. It, talking about how Houston was go- definitely, definitely going to be favored in Lubbock. It's like, well, the line's already out. They're minus five, Texas Tech is. Yeah, he was like, no, Houston will be favored in that game. I was like, not unless we struggle with Murray State. Yeah, if if Texas Tech beats Murray State, let's just say it's a, the SFA game again. And it's like they're throwing shots at the end zone to win at the end. It'll be Tech minus two? And he, yeah, well, if, if Houston wins by 40, okay, maybe Houston's favored in that. But I just don't see either of those happening. It's just ridiculous. I, I just want to see that narrative matched that we heard all summer that Tech's non-con is so difficult and yeah. Houston is so good and Houston's a New Year's Six well, team. Well, no, let's not downplay them too much. Well, because, hang on. I'm just saying. That, okay. That's where I'm going all with right. this. Because once you beat them by, right. by 24 it's and get to 2-0, and o, okay, well, now they're unranked Houston. They're 1-1. One and one, They're out of the New Year's Six race. No, no, right. no, no. Keep that same energy. We just beat such a high-quality opponent yeah. that all y'all had pegged to win 12 games this year. I will say Houston will win most of, if not all of their They'll AAC do what they did games. last year. Yeah. Con- except, congrats on beating Tulsa. I mean, Except Cincinnati's not going to be there at the end because they're going to not be good this year. Somebody will be there at the end, though, in the American Conference Championship game. 
Yeah. And Houston's lucked out both of these last two seasons. They didn't have to play Cincy in the regular season. Right. So I'm, uh, that narrative is a joke. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Tech by 50. Shout out to Dogo's in. You love that air horn, man. Texas is back, folks. So. <laughs> I love the soundboard. I can't deny it. <laughs> so, uh, John Wilner today. Oh, my favorite. Uh, John Wilner, who has been a condescending prick for four months. Today. Uh, getting a little sensitive, saying, oh, well, Twitter's not a nice place, I guess. <laughs> I'm starting to think Twitter's not a very nurturing environment. You've been an ass for three and a half months, belittling everyone. Oh, well, you just don't know how to read TV numbers. <laughs> yes. I'm John Wilner. Yes. Shut up. Yeah, like, okay, you've got a bigger platform. He basically gripes about Big 12 fans and Big 12 Twitter. So me and you, Joe Blow, we reply to his tweets, and he's all yeah. offended. But he's got this platform with tens of thousands of followers that he'll quote tweet those people and mock them. Yeah. Mock the place where they live. Yes. Their entire region of the country. Mm -hmm. Anyone affiliated with their school or conference. Yes. And then the gall, the gumption, three months later, well, these people aren't very nice to me on this app we call Twitter. No. No, we aren't. No. And you don't deserve it. And I'm not sorry. You and uh, Stuart Mandel and John Canzano. yeah. He's even worse. Suck it. I mean, I don't care. We've got two <laughs> words for you. <laughs> they just have a loser's mentality. Yeah. Say things that winners say and do things that winners do. Um, and I've never understood. I tweeted this. Yeah. I've never understood the insecurity. John, no. you can just write about the Big Ten West pod. No, this, is, this has been his whole thing. Like, he's afraid of losing his job, and so he has to clutch his little Pac-12 pearls. You can still write about USC, Oregon, and Stanford. It's just going to be in a different yes. conference than they were in last year. The Mercury News is probably firing people anyways. It's a newspaper. Sorry. Hey. It's a dying industry. Yeah. I love the uh, local writers, though. Don Williams will always have a job. The GOAT. He is the GOAT. I just look and hey, we dish some stuff out on Twitter. I try not to start a lot of stuff because I don't, I mean, I don't like you finish thing. a lot. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I will swing back, but if your whole brand all summer has been poking, poking the bear intentionally, yeah. yes, you don't get to whine when they swing back. Also, we punch up. Yes. John Wilner will find a dude with 20 followers and dunk on him. Yeah. And then. Just like go on his happy way, yeah. For three months. This is in our DMs, okay. Uh, from a certain Big Twelve group we're in. I, I just want to. I'm not going to tell you who sent it, but I just want to read this list because it's comical to me. And if they listen to the pod, you're comical to me. <laughs> the whole group is. I don't know if any of these. Well, except for one of them. I like the Baylor guy. <laughs> I like most of these guys. But they're all nice. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a battle with the Iowa State guy, so he's on my uh, do not like list right now. But yeah, most of these guys are fine. But it says uh, this is the short list of his team's 
to be added to either of the two new super conferences. First, I don't think there's going to be two super conferences. There already are. Um, but not like people think. You're not going to have just 40 teams and get down to two conferences and only two conferences are playing to a national championship. That's not going to happen. They already have it. It's called the NFL. College football is better with more divisions and more intrigue and more teams. You're not going to cut it that far down. But this guy has 16 teams. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal. And I don't know what kind of order this is in, but this is those are the top four. North Carolina, Virginia, Notre Dame, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Duke, Colorado, Utah. Those are the 16 schools, according to this guy, on the table for a super conference. Yay or nay? It, it got pretty debatable for me, Georgia Tech and beyond. And here's the other thing that all the Super Conference stuff has to, if it really does consolidate to 32 or 40 teams someday, there's going to be some tough conversations to be had about Rutgers and Mississippi State and Purdue. I think those will be easy conversations if it gets down to 32. D- difficult for those schools. Because <laughs> like at some point, like let's say the cutoff there was yeah. Georgia Tech. There's no way that Georgia Tech in Atlanta and state flagships like Colorado, Utah, and Texas Tech, a a school with 300,000 living alumni, get left out while they just keep feeding Wake Forest and Rutgers and Northwestern and Vanderbilt droves and droves of money. Like, if they are going to consolidate, I think it'll be, I think they're going to shed some dead weight. And then that list that we just read will kind of expand a little bit. Also, potentially. can I double down here? Mm-hmm. If you consolidate into a 32-team, 40-team league, do you know what it's going to be for? It's not going to be a basketball league. It's not a baseball league. Those will still be under the NCAA purview. This is going to be a football league. You think Kansas is getting a call to be in the football league? Or Cal? AAU or not. Duke? You think Duke's getting a call? to? And I'm not saying Texas Tech would get a call to be in a 32-team. You're probably right on the cusp. You're, you're on the window. I think, I think people should really table that kind of talk for a while. because oh, it's not, Yeah, it's not going to happen. First, I just thought the list was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, first off, it seems Notre Dame is staying independent for now. Notre Dame is a top five brand in all of college sports. In, until yeah, until the playoff expands, nothing is going to happen without Notre Dame. No, no, that's well, not nothing. I mean, I mean, nothing not, major. They're not going to break off and yeah, form yeah, a yeah. championship that Notre Dame is not eligible to play for. Right. The ACC, I think, would have been rated by now if it if that were possible. So the right. grant of rights, yes, is there through twenty thirty six. I think. Once this settles down and whether that I think the most movement we'll get in the near term is the pack blows up if and when the Big Ten takes more teams like Brett McMurphy said explicitly they will. Now, was he saying four more or four total? I couldn't tell. I read it as four total, which means Oregon and somebody. I kind of thought he meant four in addition to USC UCLA. 
But at that point, do they really just feel like Notre Dame's not involved? Yeah, for now. For now. So they'll get okay. to 18 without Notre Dame, or 20. Yeah, 20, because they're at 16, yeah. And then the pack, the, the remaining pack schools will come to the Big 12, Ugh. and we'll settle there. Four large conferences. Some will have 20 teams. Some will have 16 until the ACC, whatever happens there. I guess the ACC will be down to 14 or 15, depending on if you count Notre Dame. I think if you, I think if you do that, you'll match – the eight, whatever the ACC is, Tech, the Big Twelve would. Well, we'd be up to sixteen with the four corners, and the ACC would be at fourteen slash fifteen. I don't think you have to take them, huh? Uh, you, know, I mean, you don't have to take who? I would let Utah float in the wind. For oh, okay. I care. Eh, whatever. I, I want the Arizonas. The other two, I'm yeah. kind of like, mm, if y'all want to come, fine. If not, yeah. I don't care. Uh, maybe even Arizona and Colorado. So I think it'll settle down there. Four conferences. Two of them will make a lot more money than the other two. Agreed. Yeah. But they'll all have a seat at the table in the playoff. And have you heard the 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 latest stuff that um, the Big Twelve is going to get this? Just going to extend their grant of rights now? I saw MH Ver tweet that. Oh, was that from MH Ver? Yeah. All right. Never mind. So yeah, I forgot where I saw that. I do think so. Here's the interesting component. We talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago when the Big Ten announced their TV deal. ESPN was shut out, and I was making the case that the Big 12 could be in position to occupy some of that late-night window, which is very valuable to ESPN because there's no competition. Now there's some scuttlebutt that ESPN could come back to the table with the Big Ten and basically air if the Big Ten has four or six West Coast schools. Just the West Coast games. Yeah, and so that would... But why would Fox give that away? Like, if all those can be on Fox Sports 1, why not just air them on Fox Sports 1? Well, I think that, so that would be the natural progression. I think the Big 12 maybe could negotiate something with ESPN to. So occupy. here's all these Mountain West. Yeah, so you'd be like ESPN and ESPN 2 with the Big 10 on, in the, on the really late night window. And then the third game is on FS1. So that would be Stanford, Cal, Washington, Oregon going to the Big 10. Yeah. So, th- but think about this like, the Big 10 is obviously the bigger brand in those conferences. But if Northwestern is playing at Stanford and they're both three and five and you've got ranked Oklahoma State versus ranked Utah, that Big 12 game will take the ESPN quote-unquote primetime late-night slot over the Big 10 game. So you could still be on ESPN without any competition really and that could be valuable for the new Big 12. Especially if you've got by then, if you've added the four corners schools, you would have two teams in the Pacific time zone, Arizona, Arizona State, until daylight savings in November, and you'd have Utah, BYU, Colorado in the mountain time zone. So you can't quite start as late as if as if they were Pacific time zone, but you'd have some late night inventory, which is all I'm saying. So that that is an interesting component of all this. Maybe ESPN does go back to the table with the Big Ten for the Big Ten after dark window, and that might impact the Big 12's TV negotiations. If the Big Ten does that, they have neutered the Big 12. And I was worried that they neutered them with the NBC, CBS stuff. I disagree. But they would... We talked about it already. We didn't talk about that But part they would... It. Yes, we did. The late night? We well, a little bit. But they would be cutting your legs out from under you if they do that first. Yes, they would. No. Yes, they would. You want to know why? <sighs> yes, but what? I'm not going to uh, agree with you. Well, I mean, you can agree with facts or not. That's up to you. But in 20... 16, Texas Tech played Arizona State in one of those late-night 
windows on ESPN. Right. Had more than 1 million viewers. You have never, I say never, I'd have to double check. I think I looked at all these going back five years. You have never drawn a million on Fox Sports 1 in the afternoon playing West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Kansas, whoever. Right. In 2019, you played the late night window on FS1 against Arizona. Counterpoint. 700,000 viewers on that Mm -hmm. one, I think. Still more than you're producing in the afternoon. So there is interest there in an Oklahoma State, a Texas Tech, playing a school like Arizona State, Utah, Mm -hmm. in that time slot. They've performed well on these exact channels we're discussing. Yeah. I know that you know a ranked Tech versus Arizona State would be a bigger draw than Indiana at Cal in the same window. What about Ohio State, Oregon? No, you're not ever going to win that. Yeah, counterpoint, if they did it first, they would hinder what you could do, is all I'm saying. I don't think they would. It's the same number of games on... You'd have three games. ESPN, ESPN2, Fox Sports 1. Right. You'd probably automatically get Fox Sports 1. Because they can only play, even if they've got six teams on the on the that's West Coast. You, that's if you hang work on, with hang Fox. On, hang on, hang on. Six teams on the West Coast. Okay, forget, wait, but no, no, forget no, no, everything wait, you're saying. Wait, no, no, We're no. talking about different things. Well, hang on. Let me make one more point. Because like, Value doesn't matter here. I, I'm. Let me make this point. Okay. Let's say they have six teams on the West Coast. Three of them will play at home. Three of them will play on the road most weeks. The three that play at home are not guaranteed to be 7.30 p.m. local time kickoffs. Sure. So you could have very little competition. Right. And default to ESPN, even if you don't have a great matchup. And, and I, would, I would assume that uh, if Oregon and Ohio State were playing, they would not be playing um, a night game that either NBC or Ohio State Fox is not going to go that. to Oregon to play at 7.30 Pacific time. They're not going to do it. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you I mean, don't have to compete with that. The NBC or the CBS would buy that game because it would be the premier game of the week. Yeah. And here's the other thing. You'd, but just... Oh, go ahead. You've said this three times, but I haven't got to say anything, but go ahead. This is where playing in four different time zones is really advantageous. Yes. Because yeah. yes, you're not going to be primetime Fox at 11 a.m. That's sure. the Big Ten. You're yeah. not going to be primetime CBS at 2.30. But... If you're shouldering that, which I don't know if there's interest there, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, you can play on a semi-major network from 11 a.m. through 1 a.m. when the last game ends, if you're in the right spots. So I'm still optimistic that if everything is negotiated well, you could still wind up in a pretty good spot here. Yeah, and I think it's important to be a national conference like your mark said. But my whole point here... And the original thesis that I was saying that you're trying to refute but not really speaking to is that if the Big Ten negotiates first, you don't get to dictate what you want to do. You have to do like the rest of what they didn't take is all I'm saying. You could get a much better deal if you got to ESPN first and got some exclusivity. But if the Big Ten is there... You'll have to hope you can do some things and probably wonder or assume that you can do some things, but it won't be exclusive, which is what I would like in the West Coast area because you're not exclusive in the East Coast with ESPN. You're not exclusive in the Central Time Zone with ESPN, but you could be in the West Coast if you got there first. So you're saying if the Big 12 negotiated ESPN after dark first? Yeah that ESPN would just say, okay, we won't air Stanford versus Michigan State. Not that they won't air During that time slot. But yeah, if they're not a media rights partner with the Big Ten, yeah. But they would still want to become that as soon as they have six West Coast schools in the Big Ten, even if the Big 12 goes first. Yeah, sure. 
and if the Big 12 went first, I just feel like you could say, hey, but we get some preferential treatment here. And I, I think th- you work that into the contracting. I think ESPN would say, no, we're going to try to get Big Ten after dark. Well, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, just say, hey, but you're the, the Big 12 conference, and then if we're not there, you can air their games. Did I address the point you were making? Yeah, but I think I'm right, and you think you're right. Okay, so. well, well, that's different. You shifted the goalpost there because you said I wasn't. No, no, no. You said I wasn't addressing your point. You didn't. I just asked you if I did. You said yes, but I was wrong. So did I address your point or not? I'm not asking if I addressed it well or correctly, but did I address it? Yes, that's okay, not moving the goalposts. You you were kind of obfuscating there. You're no. saying that I was talking past that we we're talking past each other, and we were we were talking about different things. You don't have exclusivity, and I'm not concerned with exclusivity. You can just beat out a bad Big Ten game. But the Big Ten has exclusivity. This right now they do because right. you haven't negotiated anything yet. You could be on CBS potentially. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, I'm just saying you could be. You could be on Fox. You could be on ESPN. You might have to compete with it would have been, Stanford, would have Michigan been, State. It but. would have been really cool to own CBS, is all I'm saying. Well, it's not going to happen. So. No, obviously. So let's get the shoulder program. But it would also be cool. And still be on CBS. You're talking like a loser again. Why is that? Lo- I want to be on every TV set in the country. Yeah. It's all this shoulder programming, though. You just want to be with, like, you're not good enough to do it alone. You have to do it with somebody else. Uh, well, I mean, that's just one option. I'm I'm still cool to go all in on streaming. I'd love to be on TNT, yeah. TBS, mm. national broadcasts. Uh, see, I'm still down with Turner Broadcasts. With Paramount? Yeah. I, I'm for it. Yeah, I like TBS. Okay. Hey, pound it. I don't know why we need to do that. Are, are we cool? <laughs> I think we're always cool. Okay. <laughs> are you upset? No. Okay. I'm not upset. I did try like four times to just say one thing and you wouldn't let me. Because you were like, well, I already That's know what you're going to say. That's not the question and I'm I like, said. No, you don't know what I'm going to say. I, I knew everything. No, you, were, you didn't. We've talked about this for six straight weeks. What do you mean I didn't know what you were going to say? Uh, not that part. What part? About if they had six schools, only three would play at home, and they're not guaranteed, be, guaranteed to be in the late night window anyway. Right, but there's a chance they are. Yeah, there's a chance. Well, probably only one of them is. Yeah. But that's not the original. That's, that's not what I was <laughs> saying in the first place. I'm not saying that is like what you, you were saying. Ten minutes. That was my point. I'm not saying that was your you point. You spent ten minutes Kyle explaining something that I did not say. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I didn't say you did say that. Oh my god! I have my own thoughts. Like <laughs> now, you're Rob skating. Not everything I say is to build off of what you say. Like I have my own thoughts on everything. You were correcting me that entire time, and it's not something I said. I don't think I was necessarily correcting you. I was just offering a different Playback. vantage point. Playback. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything else to talk about? It's week zero. So Tyler Shook's named quarterback as yes. we were recording our last episode, so we didn't really talk about reaction to that. What's your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, can I make one final point on the, the Big 12 stuff? Yeah, I already know what you're going to say, and it's wrong, but go ahead. Uh, it's not wrong. Isn't it fun to have a conversation like that, though, Rob? If they can't pay, right, maybe some paychecks because they don't get good TV deals, is there anything that can help them do that? Yeah, they could call our friends over at Diversified Lenders. Was I wrong about that? Or <laughs> <laughs> Through a unique combination of accounts receivable financing and equipment leasing, Diversified Lenders is uniquely qualified to help you get the working capital you need now. They offer the following. Factoring, invoice purchasing, equipment finance and leasing, asset-based lending, 
government finance, and leasing. You can learn more at diversifiedlenders.com. All right, so I'm Tyler Shook. I've always been a big uh, I'm not at practice guy. I'm going to trust the coaches. Uh, but we also saw Alan Bowman continually get the starting job because he was good at practice. Uh, I'm not saying that Tyler Shuck is a practice all-star, um, but you know we heard from NFL people that when they were here scouting receivers that Tyler Shuck was lighting it up and that he had one of the best arms, yada, yada. I would like to see that with a good offensive coordinator. Uh, not saying Sonny Cumbie was a bad offensive coordinator, but I do think they had a poor plan early last year because of leadership. Um, I think that with the right system, Tyler Shuck could excel, and I hope that that's true. I think he's really good at throwing deep balls, and I think you have some big bodies that can achieve that. I've got two thoughts on what One is a question for you, uh-huh. but it's built off of the first thought. You said Alan Bowman won the job because he was a good practice quarterback. Is that what you said? I don't want to obfuscate. So. Uh, in the Matt Wells area, yes. I think in the Cliff area, he was just the best quarterback. Okay. Either way, yeah. is it fair to say that if he was the best of the bunch at practice, that he was not quite going against competition as good as Donovan Smith and Baron Morton? Yes, I see what you're saying. There's me, more talent on the field now. Let me ask you this, because I read this on a message board, and it just kind of made me think for a second. But A message board poster said, Tyler Shuck has now won three. He's been named the starting quarterback three seasons in a row at two different schools with three different head coaches and offensive coordinators. So he must be doing something right. What is your thought on that sentiment? Uh, he lost the job also at Oregon, so he won and lost the job. He transferred because he knew he wasn't going to win the job in year two. Uh, even though he was not, the guy that stayed was not good the next year and lost the job as well. Um, but yeah, he's really good at spring football. I, I mean, look, I think Tyler Shuck will be good. I, I think he will um, throw good balls. But he obviously had some processing issues early in, at Texas Tech last year and just like like I'd push back on that a little telegraph. bit telegraph two pick sixes one was with a broken collarbone the other we think easy probably ran the wrong route sure yes which is still you know that's chemistry that's being on the same page the the the, the mishap with easy I'm not talking about the collarbone so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I've really kind of convinced myself that I didn't see a big enough sample size to determine one way or the other last season. Right. And again, I, we're not a practice. Right. They've seen more than we have. Yeah. Zach I, Kitley knows quarterbacks better than I do. Uh, but did you? can you tell me a play last year where Tyler Shuck made something happen that was dynamic? Besides just throwing it down the field to Eric Izukama against Houston? He had a he pulled it on a on a run read and made a couple guys miss for Houston and scored a touchdown as we were clawing our way back into that game. I think that fits the criteria of what you asked me. Made a couple guys miss. Did I did I see him um, 
did I see him escape from a collapsing pocket and make a really good throw on the run on third and 12? Mm-hmm. No. Did you see Donovan Smith do that? Yes. Twice for I touchdowns. Saw him, I saw him do that. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to set it up this way. I saw him do that exact same thing on his first drive against Iowa State. You were about to go three and out. He escaped the pocket, threw on the run. You got a first down, scored a touchdown on that drive. Uh, laser. Ed, you know, maybe the next 60 minutes of that game go entirely different if you go three and out on the first drive there. But here's the deal. I think Donovan Smith is inconsistent, and we saw that from week to week last year. If Tyler Shuck is the most consistent, safest option, which I feel like is what they went with, I think the dynamic plays happen because your skill positions are good, and I think you're going to try to run the ball a lot, and I don't think you have to have Tyler Shuck be, you know, swag god to go out and have a great season. Uh, do I think there's a bigger ceiling with the other two? Yes, I do. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, say I don't think that. But I'm also not saying that Tyler Shuck is a bad choice. I think they're all three good quarterbacks. I think Tyler Shuck is the safe choice. And if he's great and moves on next year, goes to the NFL, good for Kitley, good for recruiting, bad for the team, short term. Because then you're starting a new guy all over. And I just kind of in year one wanted the guy who's also going to be the guy next year to start this year. And that's pr- that, that might be short-sighted on my site because you got to win some games early to set a tenure. I'm always fascinated at the fan discourse regarding the quarterback position. Yeah. I remember, and this is absurd, when Patrick Mahomes was considering declaring early for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. There were people telling me he needs to stay warmer. He needs to fine-tune his skills and continue developing. And I was like, are you crazy? Do you remember the other storyline that, that offseason? That Nick Sheminek was going to be better in the system because he would play within it better? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And, I, and I, I look at people who say things like that, and I go, are you crazy? And, I, and this is not hindsight 2020. I was Pat GoPro. I, I knew he was a first-round pick. Yes. Before that was the consensus. Yes. Because – like you always say, the NFL goes on ceiling, potential, talent. Mm-hmm. And look, you've got a 6'3 guy who has the best arm the day he shows up to rookie camp. He's going to – look, they can fix his footwork. They can teach him how to read a defense. Yep. But here's the, here's the thing is there seems to be – when you've got three quarterbacks, much less two, but three quarterbacks, and everybody wants a different guy to be the starter and has different perceptions of the current guy, I think it's fair to say you are probably on the more bearish spectrum about Shuck. Again, just kind of gathering some stuff from reading fan perspectives on a message board. Mm-hmm. This question was um, put out there. Is is Shuck a better uh, day one starter than Nick Shimanek? And I said, no. Shimanek threw for 4,000 yards, 33 to 10 touchdown to INT ratio. I said, if Shuck matches that this year, I think we'll all be very happy. And And there were people replying who thought I was stupid and who were like, Shuck is better by a mile, not even close. I mean, these are their words. And I go, guys, if that's true, we're about to see 5,000 yards and a 4-to-1 touchdown to INT ratio. And if that happens, he's a first-round draft pick. And to me, that's just a pretty high ceiling. He's a top-10 draft pick. That's a a high bar to clear. If he's way better and a mile's better than what Nick Shimanek put out there during his lone season as a starter. Can I be honest? I I hope they're right. I hope that I do look stupid for saying that at the end of the year. I just hope he's Nick Shimanek. I'd take it. You're going to a bowl. 
In fact, Nick Shimanek would have been eight and four with a good defense. Or a couple more made kicks. And Patrick would have been ten and two with a good defense. In fifteen. I think in sixteen there were some other issues, but in fifteen. So anyway, I say all that. Legitimate people are it's not just trolls are saying that. He's no, way, no, I mean I don't think so. I mean, what has he done? What what is she? You know, in all honesty, what is what they're, has he done? They're buying the dream, you know. And and I hey, I I drank a lot of Kool Aid this off season. I hope they're right. I mean, Shimanek threw for five touchdowns, four touchdowns against Kansas. But I just here's what worries me: is anytime there's quarterback fodder, should it be sticks? Should it be uh, pots? Pots, yeah. Okay, I remember this was McLean Carter or Alan Bowman. I had, an, I had an ex-girlfriend in college who told me Seth Daigie was awful. Yeah, well, and, and that's I, why she's your ex? Yeah. In the middle of the 2012 season, at one point, he had ascended to, like, the Heisman conversation. Yeah. Tech was, like, 5-1. and one. His numbers were better than anybody's. Yeah. And I go, he, if, if the ceremony was today, he'd probably have a seat in New York. Yeah. They just came off uh, beating Geno Smith. And she thought he sucked. And I was like, I don't know what you're watching. I think he can spin it. So, anyway, when, when you start from a position of controversy and mixed feelings on – who the starter is, who the backup is. I feel like everything gets put under the microscope. And now anytime Shuck airmails one, makes a bad read, oh, Donovan should be – and, like, Twitter's going to blow up. Oh, yeah. Put in Baron Moore. And, and I, I'm going to be really annoyed at that also just because I – Oh, and it's going to be all season. I mean, if you're 5-0 and oh, and Tyler gets to the sideline and throws a pick six, bring Donovan in. Bring Baron in. And, and the casual fan – I am not. I don't, I don't use that as a derogatory term, but the casual fan kind of – like, if there's one player who they know on the team, it's probably the quarterback. Yeah. And so they'll ascribe all the success and all the woes to the quarterback, which is not fair all the time. So I'm just not excited for what's going to be posted in the Facebook groups and on the message boards all season. The Facebook like, groups. Like, like, let's say we start 3-0. and Yeah. You beat NC State in Raleigh. Uh-huh. Assuming Shuck plays pretty well. well um, people are really high on that quarterback. For that to happen. Yeah. So he's... The next Josh Allen the other day. No. Let's say you start 3-0. Yeah. Presumably because Chuck has played pretty well. And then you lose to Texas. People are like, oh, that's why we should have started Don. It's like, no. We would have all taken a 3-0 start yeah. four weeks ago. So I'm just not excited for that part of how this season is going to unfold. I hope uh, Florida International Tyler Shuck shows up. Yeah. The middle, the middle portion of that game. I also just have faith in Zach Kittley. I me think too. is what it is. Yeah, me too. And I think that any quarterback is going to be able to find throws in that offense. And I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think we're going to run the ball really well, which is going to open things up for whoever the quarterback is. Yeah. Because if they need to put six or seven in the box to stop Brooks' time, not Tosh time, but Brooks' time, yep. then that, that opens everything up for your playmakers, like Miles Price. And I saw Tyler Shuck last year against Stephen F. Austin in an empty set with the blitz in his face, not have the ability to change the call or call a timeout even. And I believe that was a sack fumble in the red zone. So if there truly is some, you know, processing and uh, freedom at the line of scrimmage to where you can check plays, I I hope that Gidley's given him the tools to check out of a, a, a zero fade look against a six-man rush where six are on the line of scrimmage. You want to get to the Discord mailbag? I would love to. If you want to join the Discord, 
you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos, $5 a month. Gets you access to exclusive interviews, including the one we just did with Texas Tech Regent Dusty Womble, the namesake for the basketball practice facility and also a huge contributor toward the new football facilities that we're all excited about. He had some really good insight. Uh, he was there for Patrick Mahomes' announcement, being into, uh, inducted into the Ring of Honor. Kind of gave us a little bit of the backstory on the Chris Beard bobblehead thing. So that was an interesting interview. Uh, we also have interviews with Fardaz Amac, the big man transfer, Cody Campbell, Matt Mooney, Sonny Cumbie. A lot of good stuff in the Patreon, and the Discord is blowing up 24-7. So, Hey, let's listen to Dusty Womble talk a little bit about the football facilities coming up. There was some news that broke earlier this summer when Kirby Hocutt and the Texas Tech Athletics Department unveiled the plans for the south end zone design. And I know you were a huge contributor to that, and it took um, a lot of people kind of putting their heads together to make that work. The renderings look awesome. I think it really excited the fan base ahead of Coach McGuire's first year. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that contribution specifically and what that football facility is going to mean for Texas Tech moving into kind of what seems like a new era of college athletics? Well, the uh, you know we, we got involved with the basketball training, and uh, they they really they had a practice gym, but they were just in dire need of having uh, a, tr- uh, a training facility, both the, the men and the lady Raiders. And, and, uh, and once we got that done, uh, the last piece of the puzzle, other than really redoing the, uh, the baseball complex, which other donors have really stepped forward and have that uh, addressed, was really the, uh, the football training facility. Uh, you know, Cody Campbell coming forward and, and really being the champion for the South End Zone project, uh, is, um, is just really icing on the cake. It's really going to, uh, make that football training facility so much more effective. Uh, nearly all of the coaches offices are actually going to be on the second level of that uh, South end zone. And, uh, so it's just, uh, it's really, uh, it's really going to be an exceptional facility those two are going to be so intertwined it's going to feel like almost one facility uh, there's a, a, a sky bridge that connects them and as i said we have uh, coaches meeting offices and uh, several pieces that we originally thought we were going to have to find a way to put into the football training facility are now in that south end zone design and and uh, it's just really going to be it's going to make the south end zone much more uh, of a presence, uh, and it's going to really provide uh, a lot of useful space for the, uh, the football training facility as well. Do you have a, a favorite aspect of that? Maybe the the new place they're running out or the sky bridge that that's going to really excite fans. Maybe you know, I think there's going to be a lot of pieces, um, and and we you know we spent a lot of uh, time, attention, and money uh, making sure it. it Fits. I mean, where there's two bell towers that are there on the on the south uh, end zone. Uh, all of the Spanish architecture is uh, going to be incorporated into both facilities, so it will really complete Jones Stadium. Um, we're going to obviously keep the, the iconic double T scoreboard as as a focal point of that south end zone, and um, there's. It, it, it's going to be, um, you know, the project when we first got started looking at the uh, 
the training facility was maybe your 50 to $60 million project. And uh, now it's probably, it's grown into around 200 million. Uh, part of that's obviously because of the South end zone. And then part of it is just a commitment to make this facility uh, a premier facility in, in college athletics. And so to finish out all the things that they're doing from meeting rooms to the lockers, to the lobby, uh, the way the South End Zone is going to work uh, and how it's going to look is, is really going to be something that um, Red Raider Nation can be, really be proud of. Well, it sounds like, from what we've heard, the the group at Texas Tech and the donors who made that work did a ton of research, kind of toured the country looking at um, you know, the, the elite facilities at Clemson, Oregon, Alabama, places like that. And it sounds like not only will this be among one of the largest facilities in the country, but it sounds like it'll definitely be kind of tops in the new Big 12 once it's all said and done. Yeah, I think so. Um, we did go to look at Alabama, Georgia, uh, South Carolina, Missouri, Clemson. Uh, we've, we've looked at a lot of the, of the college facilities. We also looked at some pro facilities to, to get ideas the fact that it's tied to uh, our indoor facility and and uh, and the south end zone really makes its overall footprint um, really enormous. And we're fortunate that we have the land uh, to put it all uh, contiguous on our campus next to the uh, next to the stadium. Uh, very few, you know, really, of the schools I went to see, uh, none of them had. Uh, the proximity of all their facilities uh, like we do. And uh, so it's, it's uh, quite fortunate that we have the land, uh, the space to do it. And, uh, and you know, having the, you know, the fact that Jones stadium is on campus and, and uh, is situated where it is really, really is quite a benefit to our ability to put all this together. So, uh, Texas Tech is going to beat Oklahoma last game of the regular season and uh, knock down the South End Zone. That's what Joey McGuire said. Uh, is there a timeline? Is the is the first one going to be completed and then the next one start, or is it going to be kind of a simultaneous project? Yeah, they're sort of they're staggered, but they'll they'll both um, the the football training facility actually starts after um, we tear down the South End Zone. Uh, but it'll finish before the South End Zone is finished. So both projects run concurrently. Uh, the South End Zone's the most time-consuming. There's more issues that we're dealing with there as far as utilities and excavation, and, uh, and we, we've got to sort of work around next year's uh, football season. And so it's more problematic. We'll lose that South End Zone for the entirety of the 2023 season. Uh, but it will be uh, ready to go and, and uh, everything will be finished in it in the summer before the uh, 24 season. So the uh, football training facility, we can't really take it down. We'll, we will be in a bowl game this year, so we don't want to interrupt uh, the prep for that. Uh, and then we've got some obviously recruiting we have to do. So at some point in time, there's we've got about a 30 day window. We're trying to figure out exactly when we kick that process off but uh, we will take down the existing football training facility uh, next spring uh, and then uh, it will it'll take us about a year maybe 13 months to get it built uh, and so we'll we'll the 2023 season will be 
uh, interrupted in a lot of ways. The fan will certainly notice it on Jones Stadium, but the, the football team's really going to be uh, living in uh, the indoor practice facility uh, and in, in that facility for most of the 23 season. And, and so it'll be a little inconvenient for all parties, but uh, once we get this uh, ribbon cut and everything opened back up, it'll well, you know, well be worth the wait. Setting some uh, attendance and sellout records there in 23 with less capacity. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like the silver linings. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you know that that south end zone doesn't hold a lot of seats, um, and so it's not it's not terribly. Uh, but you know the band has been there. We've got it's it's not going to be good, and there's going to be so much interest and enthusiasm around uh, our team. Uh, next year it's just going to build on what we'll see this year and and so it'll be a tough ticket to get but um, that's the way it's going to be here for several several years so uh, Red Raider Nation better get used to it. Very excited for those and for Womble and Campbell and the Regents and the the, the benefactors and the Matador Club and, and all that coming up. So let's get to the Discord mailbag and then we'll bring this puppy home. All right, so a quarterback question. How long does Shuck Donovan or Morton and Morton play against Murray State? And we'll talk about this next week too, but... I think the first first half will be almost all Shuck with a couple packages for Donovan. Short yardage, red zone. I think starting in the third quarter, Donovan will get some drives, and I think fourth quarter, Barron will get some drives. I would love to see all three in the first half pretty evenly and then have Shuck play most of the third quarter and then Donovan and Barron play the fourth. Now I would, I think Shuck needs the reps if he's going to be the first team guy, if he's going to be the guy, but I would like to see everybody in the first quarter. I mean, in the first half, depending on score and circumstance, I'm not ripping. I'm not pulling a guy like I might script three drives for each guy and or, do those and try to get nine drives in the first half. I might script a one drive for Donovan in the first half, but I, I would like to see Shuck go into halftime, having played the vast majority of the first half, get some halftime adjustments, go out with a script for the first drive of the third quarter. And then after that, turn it over to Donovan and Barron who has the best sports jacket slash blazer, Kyle or Keith. Keith had me beat today. Overall repertoire, I'm 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 gonna bet on myself. He had me beat today, and he has some nice ones. Don't get me wrong, but I've got quite the collection. Uh, Big Twelve schools as sandwiches. Oh boy, I think I'd have to do like Big Twelve football teams maybe as sandwiches, and be like um, like Kansas is the tuna melt. Not much structure. Um, warm fish. It's uneasy to me. I don't think I have any good answers for this, at least on the fly. Maybe Texas Tech would be a meatball sub. Yeah, maybe. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's your uh, go-to sandwich? Let's see here at a sandwich joint. Um, Like apart from the barbecue genre? Is that your go-to sandwich? Well, like, like if, if I, it, I mean, if what your what's your favorite sandwich is all I'm asking. Well, it depends. Is a chopped brisket sandwich your favorite like, sandwich? 
Like I wouldn't get. The, I know you're anti pulled pork. I noticed. Yeah, I don't like pulled pork. I like a Philly cheesesteak. Nice. A good good Philly cheesesteak is up yeah. there. You been to the Philly cheesesteak place here in Lubbock? No, we have. Do we have a dedicated Philly cheesesteak? Yes, they fly in their buns from Philly. Well, I might have to fly my buns over there and yeah. check it I'll out. I'll tell you where it is after the show. Okay, no, no free, free ads. ads. Um, how, uh, does Austin McNamara break the big 12 record in punt yards this year? That's per punt. Didn't he already break that? Well, you'd have to break his own record. Yes. Does he break it again? Is the question. Yeah. Um, was that 45 and a half, 48 and a half? What is it? I'm going to say no, because he won't be given enough opportunities. Usually those records are like minimum 20 punts or yeah. whatever. He's not going to punt that much this year. Austin McNamara has played for three bad teams. Do you know how many yards he has to punt? And... Was the you know punt yard per punt leader record Big Twelve ever? Do you have any yards he has to have this year to pass Sepulveda for total yards punted? Because that dude punted a oh, thousand times. They were so bad back then. I mean, uh, people talk about Texas Tech being bad and having like not, not in the same stratosphere. They've not lost more than f- uh, they've not won. They've not won less than four. Right. Even in the COVID year. Like people just like forget that Baylor was two and ten in a good year for a long time. They had and a, Iowa State was three and nine, forty two straight seasons. They had a stretch. I looked this up the other day. They were like six and seventy five in conference play over a span of like a decade or but whatever. They it was. they talk about themselves like they're the best, one of the best programs in the Big Twelve because they've been good for four years. And you, you want to know why they've been awful every other year. You want to know why? Because we let them? I don't know why. It's because people my age who didn't get into... They didn't watch football until they got to college. Until Art Bryles, yeah. So 2011 was my freshman year of college. You know what happened in 2011? Yeah, uh, them and TCU. That was the first game of the season. Then they beat OU at Floyd Casey, and then RG3 won the Heisman. So kids my age who went off to college and went to Baylor, that's like all they've ever known. Yeah. But people like me who were watching the sport from when I was five years old, Baylor was the worst team in the country. Awful. They were Kansas. And they don't remember. But like that is ingrained in my mind for 15 years before they got to this point. So it frustrates me that Baylor fans are like, oh, we're Baylor. It's just always been this way. It's who we are. I'm like, no. You're the dorm- you were the doormat of college football. Um, did, did we answer a question there? What was the? It was a punting question, and you said. Oh, I don't know how yeah, many yards Austin no, McNamara yeah. needs to pass Daniel Sepulveda. Oh, like almost 2,000. Like a ridiculous amount of yards. Well, he had 700 alone in the Oklahoma State game last year, whatever it was, because we punted on every drive practically. That's true, but in three years, um, McNamara's like at not even 4,000. Yeah. And he's at like six and a half. He's like just a ridiculous amount. Yeah, that's like the records you don't want to break. Like yeah. he has all those accolades no, no, no. Yeah, from, from the to. Oklahoma State game last yeah. year. It's like cool, but yeah. that was the worst game I've ever watched. Uh, who is the best at trolling for each Big Twelve school? Oh, I could probably actually lean uh, into this. Big game boomer. Easy. Well, I don't know. Oklahoma has a lot of them, but Oklahoma has red dirt. Bo- Boomer's red dirt in a class sport. of his own. Though. Well, that's true. But I would. They call do have him, some good ones. But I wouldn't call. I mean, he's a national guy. I wouldn't really call him an Oklahoma fan. I know Boomer's in his name, and yeah. he's maroon, but... Well, it's it's crimson. <laughs> Whatever. My, my friend David Collier would not appreciate the maroon. Hey, did, did, I, and this is something I never knew. Did you know Oklahoma State was originally Oklahoma A&M? Yes. And they were Oklahoma A&M Aggies? Yeah. I did not know that. 
Do you have any answers oh, for this one? Um, is it us for tech? I mean, it's you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want you to have to shoulder the blame there. No. I mean, I'm. I'm happy to. I would. I would gladly say that all these lists have been mine. Uh, but I don't want to take away your credit. No. I don't. I don't need any credit. Um, UT is Kyle Umlong. Oh yeah. Baylor might be Drake Toll. Mm. He refers to TCU's campus as a La Quinta a lot. And that is good. He has some stuff like that. There's he, another guy over there that uh and maybe that's a TCU fan. Joe Goodman is pretty funny. Joe Goodman is Baylor. funny. I, I wouldn't really call him a troll. Yeah, I don't think he's a troll. He's just funny. The other thing, so when you call somebody a troll, some people might think that's demeaning. Yeah. I think it's funny. Well, and it's a credit to knowing the audience, right? So, so I'm using this in a positive. I'm not. Call, I'm not calling anybody names. There are different classes of trolls. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. The troll that you are is knowing engagement and engagement baiting. Yeah, which is a form of trolling, and I think it's it's a good thing, right? We're in this game to get engagement, right? Yeah. No. I mean, if we're not, am I, am I shattering the illusion no. here? That's what I, that's what makes me laugh. Doing these lists every day this summer, people quote tweeting me like, "You know, good job fishing for engagement." I'm like, "Yeah, you quote tweeted us." Yeah. Um, is Iowa he, State is Cyclone is Larry. <laughs> I think so. Cyclone Larry has either scheduled thousands of tweets in advance or wakes up every morning and tweets Texas. Well, he took the summer off. He like didn't he tweet did. for a couple he months. He did, but. Um, I'm still getting to know some West Virginia accounts. They don't seem to care enough to have a dedicated troll. Yeah, they're kind of... Yeah, I wish they were a little more engaged. Here's some Big 12 projections from Joey Helmer, 247. Helmer? Helmer. Never heard of this guy. Uh, Jimmy, start at the, the bottom? I will. Sure. This is their Big 12 records. TCU 1 and 8. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Just give me a yes or no. TCU like, one and eight. Would I like to see that Big happen? Big twelve, or if you think it's going to happen? No, in my bold predictions, I said they'd be bottom two in the conference, but I don't think they'll be that bad. How about within two games? Yeah. Okay, one and eight. I think they'll be bad. Two and seven, Texas. No, I mean that's that's ridiculous. Three and six, Oklahoma State. What? What is this guy? Did Just, he do it at random? <laughs> three and six, Oklahoma State. No. Four and five, Oklahoma. No. Five and four, Iowa State. Ish. I think yeah. three and six, four and five. Yeah. I think five and four is our ceiling. Notice Simon said Kansas yet. Kansas yeah. five and four. Big twelve. Come on. They've not won multiple Big Twelve games since two thousand eight. They only get to play Texas once. Texas is back, folks. Baylor six and three. Uh, I think they'll do better. Doable, yeah. Kansas State seven and two. Probably mm. the ceiling. Yeah, I think six and three. Two schools left. Mm-hmm. West Virginia seven and two. No way. This guy's a moron. Texas Tech eight and one. Absolutely. This guy's a genius. <laughs> Seriously though, did he just do like a random? I have no idea. I mean, Texas Tech Big Twelve champs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the first comment is they will ban Texas Tech from Twitter. If this happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, we're gonna be so. We're going to be a ruthless Twitter. We already are a ruthless Twitter fan base. Oh, my god! Can you imagine if we win a New Year's Six Bowl or a Big 12 championship in football? How Or just 10 wins. Absurd. Hey, how many 10 wins have you? How many 10 win seasons <laughs> do you guys have in the last two years? Well, it might time up perfectly where, like, once Joey has it rolling in year three, that's the new Big 12. 
Yeah. And then like five oh, years, yes. five years into Your the new list. big 12, we'd be like, Hey, in the new big 12, like, Hey, we're up here. Y'all are down there. What have you done in the new big 12? Oh my gosh. Now we're just dragging on now. Final thoughts. Uh, let's freaking go, man. College football's back. I have to sit through Nebraska Northwestern playing in Dublin for some reason, but I'm going to do it. When are you driving down? Friday. Okay. I'll be, I'll be placing real life bets in beautiful Rio Dosa, West Texas. The best suburb of Lubbock. Recently named. Can't wait, man. Cannot wait to watch crappy games that I would not otherwise ever care about, but because I haven't seen the sport in eight months, happy to do it. Put put some real-life action in units out there, you know? Yeah. What do you think about the Texas Tech football and athletics account talking about the Twitter poll today? Play a little blackjack, too, maybe? Um, That's a little... Beneath them. Kind of, but when Kansas State was locked in a battle with... Oh, were their official accounts tweeting about it? Yeah. Okay, good. And they were like begging... They were like, unless Kansas State tweets us, we're going to lose. I think it was when they were going up against Oklahoma State. Oh, good. Good. Well, at least it worked. Well, so Kansas State weirdly, like with one hour left in the poll, was like, everybody go vote. And they lost. And so all their fans were like, why didn't you tweet this three days ago? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, at this point, I guess you're in it. I I don't really care that, that much about Twitter eight. polls, but that that was Sweet Sixteen. Let me rephrase. Well, the Texas Tech tweet net was a Elite Eight. I love when you pulse the people. I don't care that much about these fan contest polls of just which school can get more votes. Oh yeah, because it's. I mean, there's there are bots. There was alleged bot action from both sides. From both sides. I mean, it was like. In 10 minutes, there was 7,000 votes, and the lead changed six times. And it, and if you win, what what do you get? A week of bragging rights, maybe. Would you really go on Twitter and brag about winning a poll? No, I would not as a Texas Tech fan, no. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like, when it's out there, I'm going to retweet it, and I kind of want to win it, but also... If I was Oklahoma State, I probably would. As soon as we lose, yeah. I'm like, mm, okay. Like, I'm going to move on with my life now. Oh, yeah. If we lose a football game, no, I mean, it, do it you ruins remember my the, Saturday. Do you remember the huge BYU uh, cheating <laughs> scandal that happened not even a month ago in the same stupid fan vote poll? Yeah, do you remember when, when Tech beat A&M in a best college town poll? Oh, that was awesome. And they redid it because they were like, we we picked up on some bot activities and so we're going to redo the again. poll and we beat them again. Even worse. <laughs> By like 2,000 maybe? Yeah. This is the the polls like that are peak. Like people can bash on the lists. How far yeah. is your campus from an international airport? Now that is engagement baiting. Yes, that's at least semi. Like some people looked at that and they're like, "Oh, I didn't realize that Ames was in the top half of the conference in this random category." Twitter poll, you just click it. And it's like okay, fifty fifty. Right. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, Preston International Airport, built in the thirties, was pivotal in uh, the World War, the second one. Um, so I was having know. a really weird argument with yeah. K-State fans today. They were like, Manhattan Regional Airport is right there. And I was like, yeah, it's not an, an international airport. And like the title says international airport. And they were like, yeah, but you can fly out of there. It doesn't need to be international. And I was like, I didn't say it needs to be international, but it doesn't count for this list. Right. If the list was closest regional airports, great, but it's not. I just don't get why people always change the subject. Like when you list city populations, like, well, the, in the county is, well, that's great, but this is a list of city populations, not mm. county. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why people do that, but, but I appreciate their engagement. So whatever. Kyle, what do we say before this episode? You have a nice 30 minute episode. Yeah. We always say that. How long do you think this episode is? Over. Over what? 
over 30 minutes. What if I said it was an hour and a half? I'd say Big 12 country, let's ride. With with you the You need to put that on the soundboard. Oh yeah, that's good. Let's ride. Let's ride. Why did Texas Tech not put your mark on the horse? I don't Man, know. Man, I wish that would have happened. Also, could have gone very wrong. Also, talk about uh, engagement baiting. Did you hear your mark's uh, response? He or, might. He might be a bit of a troll. He is, and I like that. He said, "Do you think this will go viral if I get on the horse?" Oh, hell yeah! Well, his other quote, he said, "I'm going to go visit the remaining eight, and then the new four. And he was like, "The other two, like, we'll see. We'll, we'll see when we get there." Something really yeah. dismissive. I was like, "Oh, this is love chef's it. kisses." I love this guy. He gets it. All right. Join the Patreon. $5 a month. Love y'all.